And this is where people get so scared of sales is like, they're afraid, like I've got to go pitch somebody on something. No, all you do is you just got to like understand their situation a little bit more. And you and I talked about this, asking questions. So you ask somebody about, you know, where they're at in their business or their personal life and just get them to open up. And then all you do is you shift the focus. You start painting a picture for them. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Empower with M. I am your host, Emily Jane Saroff, but you can call me M. I hope you're ready to expand your mindset, raise your vibrations, break through limiting beliefs, and to seriously start owning your power. But before we dive into today's episode, if you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss out on any of my episodes. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I sure am ready. So let's get empowered. Before we dive into today's episode, I have a very exciting announcement for you guys. So if you're following along on my socials, you would already know, but I have an exciting masterclass. It's actually a two-day masterclass on the 21st and the 22nd of October, right? And what this masterclass is designed for is to help you take those first steps to going all in and launching your own coaching business. So this masterclass is called one, two, three, launch with me. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Okay. I'm going to walk you through those first steps that you really need to start taking to get your own business up and running, right? Like I know there's so many people out there that are really wanting to become entrepreneurs, really wanting to dive in and do something for themselves. I was in the exact same position as you only eight months ago, and now I'm the proud owner of a six-figure coaching business, and I want to really be able to help other, you know, aspiring coaches to be able to do the same thing as what I've done. So this is, you know, the very first step that anyone out there who's had this little bit of a tug on their heart, they're like, maybe coaching's for me. Maybe this is something I want to dive into. What I want you to do is jump into the show notes of this episode, hit the link that says secure your seat in the two-day masterclass, right? And I want you to book that seat for yourself. Come along, do the first steps, get the ball rolling on this, you know, awesome goal that you have for yourself. And let me be that person who really guides you through those first steps to launching what could be the most incredible business that you could possibly launch for yourself. So the link is in the show notes of this episode, jump over now. The masterclass is on the 21st and the 22nd of October. So make sure you quickly get there now and you secure your spot so you do not miss out, okay? We're going to be having the best time together. And I'm so excited to teach you guys the first steps that I really had to take in order to start to build my own coaching business. So I want to teach you how to do the same. I'll see you guys there. Do not wait. Jump into the link in the show notes of this episode now. Now that is all from me, guys. It's time to dive into this episode. So I hope you're ready because it is certainly going to be a good one. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I am super excited because today's guest is extremely high energy. And I know you guys are going to absolutely love him. He's a LinkedIn and digital marketing business coach. So he's also filled with so many different tips and resources and incredible insights that he's going to be sharing with us today to really help you up-level your businesses in so many different ways. So I'm super excited to welcome Simon Parsons, one of my friends, onto the podcast. So welcome, Simon. What is up, Em? I am stoked to be here. I'm so excited to 
talk with you and serve your audience on the highest level. Let me know how I can be a valuable resource to you and your audience. Just by being you. I mean, I said you're high energy and just listen to you. I love it. <laughs> That's right. So why don't you kick it off by sort of just giving it a little introduction to yourself and telling our listeners about you so they get to know who you are on a more personal and professional level. Yeah. So I'm extremely passionate about mindset, personal development, psychology, human behavior. And I'm also into sales. I love sales. And most people are a little bit afraid of sales because they'll let, you know, they think of being pitchy or high pressure. And one thing I've learned over my life is that sales can be extremely, you know, chill and just getting to know people and help them out. And so that's why I'm so passionate about sales. And I love helping small business owners, coaches, entrepreneurs, especially here in the digital age. There's so much opportunity available for anybody to really make it on their own and to create a business that can supply them with, you know, an abundance of money and happiness. And so I think my purpose is helping people realize that you have every tool that you have available. I think where people get hung up though is on the mindset piece behind it. They get a little bit nervous about selling. And I think there's a lot of psychology behind that. And I try to help people realize that you can be way down to earth. In my younger years, I had to get a little bit uncomfortable and and start being a little bit more social. I was an introvert when I was younger and I had a passion for music, for electronic dance music. And I started listening to that when I was pretty young and I could just see myself playing in front of these massive crowds. And I was I didn't know how to do that. At the time, DJing and electronic dance music was just absolutely blowing up where I was. And everyone who wanted to be a DJ, they could either do it in their basement or their garage or their bedroom, or they could go play in the back lounge at a club because you know they always needed people to play where you know everybody was just hanging out. And I wanted to play in front of the big crowds. I wanted to be in front of a thousand people. And you know, you have an in with the industry, you have a way to break in. So I started just becoming a really good networker. I started taking care of the people who were at the front door, started tipping really well. I started getting to know the bartenders and taking care of them and just building authentic relationships. And that was my ticket into getting in with the club owners. And then I was able to build relationships with them as well as build businesses where you know I could bring in a ton of people to their club and they could make money off of the drinks and I could take the whole entire cover charge. And it was a win for everybody. And I was like, wow, this is really powerful to be able to do this. And then eventually I got into sales and I did really well with that by not being you know, high pressure or salesy, just learning how to connect with people and relate. And so right now where I'm at in my career is I just love helping people understand that you don't need to be like that to create an abundant business. And I think a lot of people really struggle with that. So My goal is to help people really connect the dots and to realize that they can create a huge business and they don't have to be pitchy or salesy. Mm, What I love in all of that is how you said from like quite a young age, you were really diving deep into the networking side of things and specifically building authentic relationships that will help you create the opportunities that you wanted for yourself. And you mentioned before that as well, that you were quite an introvert. So what I'm curious to know is because you don't seem like an introvert at all right now, like you seem quite extroverted and confident in yourself. So how did you really get yourself to step out of that like introvert shell to be able to start networking, start building relationships and get to where you are now with, you know, your confidence and the way that you speak and connect with other people? So I think it's like exercising a muscle. It takes work. And you always hear that all the great stuff lies outside of your comfort zone. So that's basically what I did. I just started small. 
and just started identifying. One thing that I love to tell people is be really authentic and look out for things that you love about other people. And it really makes you observant of what their skills are. And that helps you to really get better at things that you might not be good at. But I would say the first way to really start becoming a little bit more outgoing is just become more aware. And when you're talking with people, just notice things about them. You know, notice what they're doing well, notice things that they're doing that you're not, and give them an authentic compliment about that. And when you do, it starts building that relationship with them. And I use the word authentic a couple of times. And I think that is so important to realize, especially being a little bit older compared to probably a lot of people in your audience. It's tough to when you're growing up because you want to fit in and you do things to kind of conform whether you realize it or not. And as I've gotten older, I just realized that people really get magnetized towards you if you can be really authentic. And I don't know, it's so fun because like, as I get older, I step into that more and more and I do things that I would have never done when I was younger. And I think some of that just comes with age and with time and, you know, the confidence is built, but in a nutshell, I would say, just be really willing to give out compliments. And that doesn't mean, you know, flattery. That means being very authentic about it and sincere. And it just starts to build conversations. The other thing that I would say that really helps people get out of their shell, and this relates to sales as well, is to be really good at asking questions. Be curious, be like a detective and have fun with it. And if you just start, you know, think about little kids, they're always asking questions, right? Be like that when you get older and when you ask somebody a question, it's, it is flattering for them because, you know, they get to share what's important to them and what's passionate. But I think that's another really good doorway to stepping into being a little bit more confident. Mm, I love that. And something in particular that really stood out for me that you shared just then is when you're talking about like building those authentic relationships, you said, look out for things that you love about others and that you genuinely love about others. And I think that a mistake that a lot of people makes make when it comes to trying to build relationships in business is oftentimes people can start to lead with looking for something that they can benefit from from that other person rather than looking to create a genuine connection. Because when we have like fears and all of this come in and we're working towards certain goals and we're like, oh my gosh, I really, really need to work on achieving this. And we become so focused on ourselves. That's when that inauthenticity can show up in creating those connections because you're looking for what you can gain from them rather than, you know, looking for something that you genuinely love about this person without necessarily needing to receive anything in return. So what's your sort of thoughts on that? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. I can even think about you when I first had a conversation with you and you were talking about the size of business that you want to generate and you are thinking big. And I remember when I was younger, I was not thinking like that. And I can still learn from you. I think that's important too. Being older, I learned so much from people who are younger than me, but I think that there is a benefit. You, you asked about that. And I think that that's an authentic way to have a benefit is because you learn from other people. And I think it also kind of keeps you having a beginner's mindset because people who think they know it all or think that they're more advanced, that's a major blind spot, major abundance blind spot, because you shut yourself off from being able to learn. So I think that it does go two ways. You are helping them out. You are complimenting them. You are building trust. And at the same time, you do get something out of it. It's just, it shouldn't be the expectation. It's just more like mm-hmm. discovery. Like It feels really good. Every time I meet somebody and I look out for something that, about them that is so special. And then I, was, I think to myself, wow, I could be a little bit more like that. And you impressed me on our first conversation just because you 
think really, really big. And I love that you are sharing that with the people that you serve, with your following, with your listeners and with the people that you coach. And hopefully they realize how big that is and how much of a benefit, but you will be pulling them up just by, you know, your mindset, how big you think. Thank you so much. I love that. But I am surrounded by very inspirational people such as yourself who are, you know, already doing so many incredible things for the world. And I think that's why I'm able to dream so much bigger is because I'm able to model all of you guys who are sort of paving the way for me. So I wanted to add that one in on there. But what I want to do is talk about a few different things with you. I know we've dove into this awesome conversation about networking so far, and I want to take it even deeper and specifically looking at a few different things today, including LinkedIn, because you're like the master of LinkedIn. I want to talk about sales psychology and then also all the woo-woo stuff, like the law of attraction, because we love that on this podcast. So let's kick it off with LinkedIn. Can you sort of like start to give us a little bit of insights into why you think LinkedIn is a really important platform to be leveraging? Because quite frankly, right now, I'm not using it, but I hear that I should be. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Here's the thing about LinkedIn. So every social media platform goes through a process of where they hand out very generous organic growth. And I think it took a while for LinkedIn to figure this out because they've always been looked at as a job and career site. And then it became like a sales and B2B site. But now it is essentially like a professional version of Facebook. And here's what's fascinating. I don't think a lot of people realize this, but this is so important. Okay, Facebook in 2012, they started, you know, in the old days, you would, you know, they didn't have ads on Facebook. The plan was to get people using this. I think a lot of really good platforms get people using this service, get it so that it just becomes their default setting. And then later down the road, they monetize that by creating advertising. Or, you know, in the case of like Netflix, they start charging people. But in the beginning, if you can get somebody using your platform to the point where it just becomes the default setting for them, you can really monetize that on a high level later. And so Facebook was doing that. And I was part of that growth, although I didn't even understand what was happening. Looking back, I had no idea what was going on, but I had a different business. And I remember I had set up a couple of company pages for this business. I used to sell automotive racing parts. And I, you know, I would just broker the stuff online and take a cut in between. It was a brilliant business. And it ended up crashing because I couldn't compete with other big companies like eBay and Amazon. But on Facebook, I had put up a couple of pages about some of the cars that I sold products for. And I was getting all these people just you know, liking the pages and it just was growing at an exponential rate. And I didn't even know what to do with it. My business crashed and I shut it down. But it was funny because years later, I went back and I looked at these pages that I never took them down. And they had hundreds of thousands of followers. I had not even posted any content on there in years. And they had just grown on their own. And the reason is, is because when Facebook or Instagram, I mean, this happened with Instagram too, is they want you to use their services because you provide the content, whether that's showing your products off or posting about politics or posting a, you know, a picture of your taco that you ate last night. And the thing is, is with Instagram and Facebook, it's really easy to post personal stuff that doesn't really have a lot of meaning behind it. And all that organic growth went away once they start monetizing it. So people are using the platform. LinkedIn, I think they finally realized we need to do that because they would charge people for subscriptions. They still do, but you can make so much more money from advertising. So they they shifted a few years ago to a basically a professional version of Facebook and they're handing out organic growth right now. And so I think it's this is such a time-sensitive thing for people to realize. 
And most people still think of LinkedIn as a job and career site. That's where the opportunity is. And I think that your audience can really benefit from that if they can grasp that, that basically it is Facebook 2012. If you learn to look at LinkedIn a little bit differently, if you learn to connect with people, and I think the discussions are a little bit different, right? I think Facebook and Instagram has been a little bit more heavily weighted towards influencers, whereas LinkedIn is really focused on building real networking and relationships. So if you are struggling to boot up a presence on social media, you've got to start looking into LinkedIn, especially if you, I mean, it's there for anybody. It doesn't really matter what you do, but if you have a clientele that might be slightly more professional in nature, it's a must do. You need to get on that board right Mm -hmm. now. So the key sort of point I'm hearing there is that LinkedIn is a very professional site. So you think of like Instagram and I don't think like, you know, it's very professional or very like, you know, you obviously you can position yourself as a professional on Instagram, but when I view Instagram versus LinkedIn, there's like a level, a sort of shift in the quality of the platforms and the way that people are using them. So what I'm curious to know then is if LinkedIn is really, you know, like a professional version of Facebook, how can we actually brand ourselves as a professional and an expert on this platform? Because it's going to be vastly different how we would approach doing that on Instagram, for example. That's a great question. Let me dive into the the word professional because I want to be clear on this. That doesn't mean that you need to be all buttoned up. Like I think a lot of people, they assume... LinkedIn is just really stuffy and they'll get it like the typical headshot of them. that looks like they're, you know, something they put on their business card for an insurance agency. You don't need to do that. You can be really branded, have a lot of fun with it. And my presence is really edgy on there. But when I say professional, I mean, you just keep it clean as far as like topics that could be a little bit, you know, edgy or rough around the edges, like politics, religion, you know, I'd keep the language down. The algorithm prevents people from really doing well. If like, if you use poor grammar, LinkedIn's kind of a grammar Nazi. So like, I just keep it clean as far as swear words, but my content is definitely not all buttoned up. So I would say that you can do almost anything there. You just kind of have to watch it on certain topics because they don't want it to be a bunch of drama. Facebook had a lot of issues with fake news, with really polarizing topics. And LinkedIn wants to stay away from that. As far as Instagram, I think that I kind of look at Instagram as a very entertainment biased site. So I think that LinkedIn could use a little bit more of that. It's just that the algorithm doesn't necessarily reward people for just showing off their stuff. So if you think about LinkedIn as networking at a networking event, you wouldn't really go up and get on stage and say, hey, look at me and throw out a bunch of cards for everybody. I mean, you do that at a concert. And so I think like Instagram would be more of a concert where you're up there showing off your stuff and people are getting entertained by it. I think LinkedIn would be more of like you're at a networking event, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And you're out there meeting people and actually building really meaningful relationships. And you can do that. I think the entertainment could go far on. I think if you used some of the concepts from the other platforms, but also like kept out the garbage, I think you could do really well with LinkedIn. Mm. So when it comes to the content creation side of things, then, because you say that, you know, Instagram's more like the concert where you're throwing your stuff out there, whereas LinkedIn is a little bit different. How would you approach the content creation or content sharing, resharing side of things on the LinkedIn? It's interesting because LinkedIn, I don't know why, but their algorithm will not give you any reach if you share other people's content. If you repost natively, 
So are you, I take it you're talking about repurposing your content. Yeah, repurposing certain content from Instagram and bringing that over to LinkedIn to save time and recreation. Absolutely. I think that there's, it's just like, I actually do that in reverse. So I'll post stuff on LinkedIn and then repurpose, just like I'll literally just copy my post from LinkedIn and then drop it into Instagram. And some stuff resonates more than others. If the post has a little bit more meat to the bone, like if you're getting dialed in, I do a lot of, posts about mindset and personal development, self-love, law of attraction, those topics. And it's fun because I can get really detailed. And I think that it's all about context. Each platform has its dialect, so to speak. And on Instagram, people are scrolling through the feed and they're mostly looking for images. So I would suspect it's, you know, there's less people that actually go in and read the post. They're more looking for, you know, a quick swipe through there. On LinkedIn, I think that is a good place to where you can really get dialed with your content. If you can write some mind blowing stuff on there. And I think that's one thing that I geek out on being a mindset coach is injecting that into sales, into content creation and into marketing. Because if you get people curious, if you get people emotional, if you get people thinking, you know, there's so much you can do with it. That's I believe higher level than what you can do on other platforms where the attention span is, so sure. I mean, YouTube people go on there and they'll watch hour long videos, right? That probably wouldn't fly on LinkedIn. Definitely not in Instagram. People want quicker content, but I would say LinkedIn, you can be a little bit more lengthy with your content than than, Mm. or or have people follow you or spend a little bit more time on your stuff on LinkedIn. Mm, Sort of like the in-between of short and long content. Like it's not the as quick as it is on Instagram, but it's not as long as it is on YouTube. It's a sort of nice balance between the two. Yeah. And you can post anything. Like they have stories on LinkedIn. You can do articles, you can do documents, you can do sliders, video. There's so many different ways that you can, you can even write blog posts on there. There's so many things that you can do on LinkedIn. It just seems like they have all the assets and you just use what is more relevant to you. But I think you could definitely take some of the Instagram stuff and bring it over. It's just, I think where people get held back is that on Instagram, it's like drop a like, and then that signals the algorithm. It's just like, just drop a thumbs up and, you know, or say, hell yeah. And that triggers the algorithm. And on LinkedIn, the algorithm is just looking for more. So it's going to basically, you know, demote your content. And then what happens is people who are strong on Instagram, they go to LinkedIn and they don't understand that. So they think, oh, there's nothing there. I'm not getting any engagement, but really it's just LinkedIn wants a little bit more quality. I see. Now my biggest challenge when it comes to LinkedIn, and this is a reason why I've tried time and time again to get into it, but I always struggle when it comes to actually like understanding how to connect with people and how to find people who are sort of aligned with you and what it is you want to offer. So can you share a little bit of insights into this and how we actually go about networking on LinkedIn and knowing who to sort of like bring into our network and, you know, without being spammy and just following every person that we see? Oh, that's such a great question. It's so funny because I actually, I kept getting this question and I created my own LinkedIn course around this. I didn't even plan on going down this path, but I had so many people asking me the same questions that you are. And I think it's, it could be really deflating if you are doing well on Instagram and then you go over to LinkedIn, you start putting stuff up and it's not going anywhere. You're not connecting with anybody. You're not getting with the right people. You're not finding your audience. You're not getting engagement with your posts. And then you start thinking, damn, is there something wrong with me? 
And so that's kind of like the hole that I'm trying to fill is to help people understand, no, it's not you. It's just done a little bit differently on LinkedIn. And I think a lot of people go over there and they're like, oh, this is kind of nice. You can just like connect with anybody and pretty soon I'll have a ton of followers. And then, you know, everybody who's following me will see my content when really the algorithm won't, it doesn't even matter having a high follower count on LinkedIn. What a couple of answers to your question. So I would say, the best way is to get in there, start with following hashtags of stuff that is important and relevant to you. So if you're interested in meditation or mindset or personal development, groom a list of hashtags and follow those and look for other people who are creating content around those topics and then you know engage with them. Gary Vee always talks about, he calls it the $1.80 strategy, buck eighty strategy, where you just spend some time going out there and having real conversations with people in the comments. And if you do that, the law of reciprocity, they'll start engaging with you. And that LinkedIn algorithm will see that there's a conversation going on and then it'll start spreading it out. So really that's a good way to start getting reach on there, but also to build your network. And then if I find another mindset or personal development coach and we start engaging with each other, here's the kicker that your audience needs to hear about. In the old days on Facebook, you would see a friend of yours comment on somebody else's post. That's so far gone now because there's advertising on there. That's still there on LinkedIn. So if I make a comment on your post, you put up something about the law of attraction I was, and I write something meaningful on there, then there's I've got 10,000 people that are following me. And a lot of those people are going to see something in there. They're going to see your post in their feed, even though you're not connected. And they're going to be like, wow, M has a really good post. I, I, you know, I want to see more of her stuff and then she'll connect with you. So that's the big difference is, you know, that's second and third party connections. That's what I'm talking about. Organic mm. growth. So that just provides so much opportunity. So if you spend some time just finding people who are just like you building relationships, you'll start pulling in their followers into your network. I love that. That breaks it down so much more like in layman terms than what's been explained to me in the past. So it's really about just engaging with content that actually aligns with you and allowing LinkedIn to do the work to expose you to those other networks and cross-pollinate. Absolutely. I just think there's a lot of people out there that are probably like, if they even know about what organic growth is, because it's been gone for a while on, on Facebook and LinkedIn. TikTok's a great example. So you hear people all the time talking about how they're getting hundreds or thousands of views and they're just getting started out. So TikTok's a perfect example of really short form content and them giving away organic growth. So TikTok will have the same thing happen to them. Eventually it will become crowded and they won't reward people as much. The benefit with LinkedIn is it's still really early on in that. And I think that you know, they need people who to put, because people aren't just going to post their dinner on there. Like, you know, how you see that on Instagram where it's like, oh, look what I ate last night. You're not going to do that on LinkedIn. And so I think people are still stepping into figuring out what they can and can't post. But if it's business or professional related, and it can be edgy, like I said, but that leaves a big hole to fill because there's 700 million people who are registered with LinkedIn. And I've heard there's only 1% producing content. So they actually need people to put quality stuff out there and they'll reward you for that. So a little bit different of a dialect than TikTok or Instagram, but TikTok's a perfect example of a social media platform that is really rewarding people right now. That's the mm. other one besides LinkedIn. 
And something that really stands out about what you said there as well is that from the sounds of it, people who are on LinkedIn are on there with a specific purpose, right? Like people on TikTok, people on Instagram, they're on there for entertainment. But when people are on LinkedIn consuming content, they're wanting to learn from you. They're wanting to connect with other experts. And that to me says that there's going to be a difference in the quality of leads that you're going to be able to connect with as well. Absolutely. So you have people there, professionals that are making more money and that are spending more money. But I think there are people there for entertainment too. You just got to have to balance it out. You can't be on there just, you know, just to screw around. I think that a lot of people are there because they're sick of the shit on Facebook. Like last year when we had the pandemic and up here in the US when there was so much controversy going on, there still is. I can't even look in my Facebook feed because I don't want to be like exposed to the negativity. I use Facebook a little bit for groups, but I don't scroll down my feed because I just don't want to be exposed to that. You and I were talking earlier about keeping your mindset as positive as possible. And so for me, it's like, I'm just not down with Facebook on Instagram. You, you know, I think the people I follow, I have a really good feed there, but it's just, I'm not going to spend the time getting into real conversations there. LinkedIn, it feels like my world is so connected. I feel like I'm just surrounded by professionals, people who have money and are willing to spend time and money on improving themselves. People who are passionate about forwarding causes. I don't hear about politics. It's so interesting because as far as my world is concerned, especially working from home, it feels way more connected than what you would hear on the news. You always hear about divisiveness how we're just so divided. My world isn't like that. <laughs> and a big part of that is because I spend time on LinkedIn connecting with people who want to make a better world. Very important to be surrounding yourself with the right sort of energy online and offline, right? And yeah, that was something we were talking about because it's up to us to filter out the things that are going to impact our energy and take on the perspectives that are going to enhance it. So on sort of like wrapping up this topic of LinkedIn then, you know, we've spoken about how to brand yourself as a professional, content creation, and also the prospecting side of things. What I know you love talking about is the topic of sales. And I really want to dive deep into understanding how sales psychology works with you. So do you want to share a bit of insights into that? Yes. So. If people understood this on a deep level, well, I take it a lot of your audience is interested in personal development and mindset. So someone who gets into mindset wants to be in a creative or a beautiful state because they feel better, they perform better. If you're healthy, if you have lots of energy, you want to go take action. You want to go do stuff, right? If you're sick, you know, you've had those days where you've eaten something the next day you're sick, you have the flu or whatever. You just want to sit on the couch. You want to watch TV. You don't want to do anything. So everybody is in some form of either a beautiful state or a suffering state or, you know, a creator or survivor. And the thing to know about is depending on which side you're on, it determines what actions you take. If you're in survival mode, you're hunkering down, you're, you know, you're keeping your hands closed and clenching onto stuff. If you're a creator, everything's more abundant. You're open to new opportunities to, you know, you've got your hands open to receive. And I think just breaking it down as simple as this, both personally and, you know, in business and sales is people are always on one side or the other. You can even say positive or negative, right? You have people who are slightly negative. They're not like completely negative, but they're just have a slight negative bias. I think most people kind of fall slightly or wholly on the negative side. It's just kind of how we're wired. A lot of this dates back to our prehistoric wiring. 
And then there's those of us that work on ourselves and, you know, or maybe we might be more optimistic. Maybe we have friends or family or we're in an environment where we just cultivate that. And those people seem to do better. They seem to have more, you know, abundance, more happiness. And it all boils down to just being acutely aware. It's self-awareness. Am I doing good or am I in like kind of a crappy spot? And how that ties in with business is it's almost like I'm doing personal development on somebody else. So when I start talking with somebody, it's just basically asking. And this is where people get so scared of sales is like, they're afraid, like I've got to go pitch somebody on something. No, all you do is you just got to like understand their situation a little bit more. And you and I talked about this, asking questions. So you ask somebody about, you know, where they're at in their business or their personal life and just get them to open up. And then all you do is you shift the focus. You start painting a picture for them. So I love asking questions that really lead, you know, to them feeling much better about either the future where things could be or where they are right, right now. And what I'm doing is I'm moving them from a suffering state to a beautiful state. And the questions I can ask generally relate to, you know, their pain points. What is holding you back right now? Why is that holding you back? Where did that come from? You know, one of my favorite questions is how long have you been suffering with this and how much does it cost you? Like how much is this costing you by not taking action? How much will it cost you in the future if you don't take action? Well, what if you did? What could that look like? What if you started being proactive about this? What if you started having some solutions? So basically it's, I'm not pitching them. I'm just asking them and helping them get where they need to be. And so in a nutshell, it's mindset. I'm just not using it on myself. I'm helping other people kind of facilitate that on their own. What I really like about that is that it's about asking quality questions to help them really shift from that place of scarcity into that place of abundance and to be able to go from that victim mindset of there's nothing I can do about my situation to actually maybe there are some solutions to this and maybe one of those solutions is having some support. And that's the thing that I find most interesting about sales is that it's about sharing solutions. It's not necessarily about trying to convince someone that they need to buy something. It's about helping them recognize and develop the self-awareness around, okay, is this something that I want or is this something that I actually truly need? And when someone is able to identify and see, okay, this is something that I need, that is when we are more likely to you know, make those sorts of investments. So what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I think here's another kicker too, is when you boil everything down to the most basic level of why somebody takes action or why they don't, it comes down to either they want to avoid pain or they want to gain pleasure. So you can really leverage that by understanding what it is that's causing someone's pain or what is it that it's giving or both, right? So the other thing that salespeople really do is they start trying to sell the bells and whistles. They call it the features and benefits. So like imagine going into a car dealership and they're just like, okay, this car gets X amount of miles per gallon. It has, you know, automatic trunk unlatch. I don't even know the features that they have anymore, but they'll go down a list and talk about all these things from top to bottom. And we'll think about like a remote control, right? There's like, they used to have these remote controls with a thousand buttons on them. Now, if you get like an Amazon fire stick, there's just, there's three or four buttons. And it's so easy to use. But a lot of people still have that mindset in sales is like, how many, I'm going to just bombard them with all the features of this instead of thinking about the emotion behind it and thinking about the pain and the pleasure behind that. 
So if you can really understand the pain and pleasure, that's what motivates people. It's funny because if you go and think about pretty much anything in your life, and why would I do something? Well, it's either because I want something and to be in a good spot or I want to get away from something. But then you can really use those two combined. And you know, if I was selling a car, I'd be talking about like taking the top down and driving down the Pacific Coast Highway, the smell of the air, you know, how that would feel, the acceleration, your shoulder glued against the side of the car as you're banking a turn, right? Because I'm painting a picture. You can see that. You can feel that. You can smell it. You can hear it. The sound of the engine as it revs up, right? That mm. your hair flying back and just the feeling of freedom that you have. And I'm not talking about anything that has to do with the car when I get into those descriptions. Or if I'm a travel agent and I'm sending someone down down under, I'm not going to be talking about the Boeing 757 with you know four seats per aisle. I'm going to be talking about like imagine walking out onto that beach and kicking off of your sandals and you feel your feet touch that warm sand and you can hear the seagulls in the ocean crashing and smell the salt in the air, you know, and start to sweat as you feel that wonderful heat and you've gotten away from all that pressure that you had in the office. So that's the feeling. That is the motion. That is the desired outcome. You know, that standing on that beautiful beach is the pleasure. The pain is being in the office and the stifling, you know, underneath the fluorescent lamps with someone hunkering down on you, asking you about your TPS reports. So <laughs> I just love getting descriptive like that. You can hear me. It just rolls off my tongue. You know, just be able to get paint that picture in people's minds. That's really the biggest thing, you know, shifting away from selling all those features like you were saying, and instead selling the transformation, the emotions, the experience, mm-hmm. right? Those things that we're going to connect with on a far deeper level. Because when we do, like, I think about any experience I've ever had. I don't buy something because of the bells and whistles. I buy something because of how it's going to transform me, whether that be through having an experience, you know, like going on a holiday and having that stress relieved or whether it be about providing me some sort of a transformation that's then going to provide me so much more from that. So it's really great that you are able to highlight that. And so I guess what my next question for you then is how do we actually approach making these sales in a way that's non-invasive and really utilizes this, you know, visualization and painting the picture and helping them feel the emotions of the thing that they want to invest into? So I would say that to get going on this, you've really got to know your customers. I really believe in either surveying or asking for, you know, if you can set up calls with your clients, it's really, it brings down that wall of pressure that you have to, when you talk with them, if you're just getting going, I would try to find people who could be your potential clients and just say, Hey, I'm looking at getting started in this business. Would you have some time to, you know, let me ask you a few questions. And a lot of times that can lead to sales right there. Like you could literally find someone that you think is your ideal client and just say, Hey, would you mind answering some questions for me? I'm thinking about going into coaching and I wanted to get some perspective. And you seem like someone who might be able to get, share some ideas with me. And then right there, you just start asking him questions, but you're not thinking about the sale right there. So it brings down that wall and you really get to know your customer and just keep digging on that. And, and think of it more of like, you know, you're gathering information and not trying to sell. But a lot of times, even those types of conversations can lead to a client. And it's just so fun to get that perspective from people and then start to get to know that really well. 
And then later you can transition into being more intentional about selling to that because you know what their pain points are. And you know, with those people, ask them to tell you stories. The thing about emotion is it's very memorable. People, anytime there's emotion, it causes people to be more memorable. So when you're talking about features and benefits versus like the emotion, you know, tell me a time when that, you know, you mentioned that you were suffering with this. Well, what was that like? How did you feel at the time? There's so much in the feeling. And if you get people to describe that, they can get really colorful around that. And you can start to paint pictures. But here's another angle too, is once you start working with people, you can share stories with other people. You know, you mentioned that right now income's a little bit tight, but you want to get going on this path. Do you mind if I tell you a story of someone who had was in the exact same situation as you and how we helped them out with that, how they solved that problem? So the stories become, you know, you can use other people's stories. You can use your own stories. You can use theirs. But I would say when you're first starting out, like just be really good at asking good questions. I love that. So there was a couple of key takeaways that I took away from that. And one, as you just said, asking key questions and really getting to know the person and what it is they're looking for. Then the other thing is just removing the pressure of having to make a sale and just focus on building that relationship and building that genuine connection. Yeah. There's something like in sales, they call it commission breath. (laughs) And it's like, when you're so hard up for a sale, like there's a palpable energy around that. And here's the way I like to describe it because think about it, you want to go to the store that sells stuff for your home and you know exactly what you want. Maybe it's an appliance store. And you know, my wife is, she wants the Samsung model and she's already researched it. She knows exactly what she wants. And she sends me over to the appliance store to go buy it. So I walk into the appliance store and I see five salespeople there and they're all staring at me. They all have their cheesy suits on with their hands behind them. And you can just see dollar signs on their, in their eyes. And you're like, okay, I'm just going to go over to the appliance section. And you start walking through there and you, you can see them kind of like walking towards you and you're like, shit, get away from me. And, you know, as you get closer and closer, they get closer to you and you're just like, get the fuck away from me. I just want my appliance. It's like, you're there. You need help. You know what you want, but you just feel encroached upon. And this is what people don't realize. And this is why I talk about bringing down that, you know, that worry is the human mind detects threats differently than in prehistoric times. And believe it or not, but a salesperson, even if you know what you want to buy and you're in the store to buy that product. A salesperson that you don't know subconsciously, you're going to be like, who is this guy? I want to get away from him. So that's why it's so good to bring down that wall. And when you ask a question, you know, hey, can I just ask you about your situation? Have you tell me about it? Without that intent to sell, it brings down, I call that just like a sales resistance. And there's ways to bring that down. And I think the more casual you can be, like you're going to close a lot more sales that way just by not even focusing on it. Because people just don't realize that wall of resistance is there. Does that make sense? Total sense. I love that example that you gave as well. Like I had a full visual of those sales reps creeping in on you in their black suits, like perfect explanation of um, sort of how not to approach sales and how to yeah. really work on like uh, creating a level of comfort as well, right? For that person that you're, you know, having that conversation with, having that sales call with and focus on the relationship and bringing down any pressure that they might be feeling coming into that call. Well, and that's the thing about content creation too, that is so cool is you're bringing, people don't realize this, but like, if you're good at creating content, you're bringing those walls down before you even have that conversation. Mm-hmm. They already know you. They know who you are just by your content. They, 
They really feel like they can get to know you. And I think that's what they say in sales. Like people buy from those that, you know, like, and trust and content creation is such a good way to build that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I like the amount of times I've had people hop on calls with me and they're like, I feel like I already know you. Like I've been listening to the podcast all the time or I consume all your content. It makes Mm -hmm. such a massive difference. Yeah. People think you get companies all the time. I'm going to, yeah, I'll do outreach for you. You get those DMs, right? Like I just, I can't even believe it that people still do that. It's like, I don't know who you are. You must think that you're the only person that's doing this, but I'm getting 50 DMs a week from people with the same pitches. I don't know you, but the people I do know, like, and trust, that's who I'm going to ask to do business with Mm because you know where they are. It just changes. Like I'm a big fan. And, you know, I know you want to talk about law of attraction, but one of my favorite mantras is I don't chase, I attract. And from a sales perspective, I like, I'm really big on that of Mm -hmm. using mindset and psychology and content creation to create situations where people come to me. For the most part, I don't do a lot of chasing if ever. That is the perfect segue for us. (laughs) I absolutely love that affirmation as well because I use that myself. I don't chase, I attract. I use it for when I'm looking for romantic relationships or friendships or business-related relationships, right? All of it. I always focus on not chasing, rather attracting. And so on that note, let's use the final part of this episode to chat about all things law of attraction, alignment, emotional frequency, all of that, because as I was saying to you before this episode, I've never have had a male come on and share their sort of perspective on law of attraction and how they use it. I've only ever spoken to females about this. So I'm so curious to know what sort of role this has played in your journey and how you use it daily. It's interesting. I don't know. Have you heard of the movie, The Secret? It came out, well, you were probably really young when that came out. but I've heard of it, but not seen it. Okay. So it's really cheesy, I think. And it's about the law of attraction, but that's what really gave the law of attraction, some runway on a bigger level. There was this pseudo documentary and it was, you know, when you watch it, I can't help but to think this is so cheesy because they have people talking about, yeah, just like imagine that like checks are going to come in the mail and then it'll happen. So this movie came out and like no one had heard of the law of attraction. And I was thinking, well, that yeah, that makes sense. You know, like attracts like, be around people who you want to be like and you know, to me, it made a lot of sense, just like it's what I had been doing. And I was like, why are they calling it the secret? Because it doesn't seem like too much of a secret to me. But they introduced this law of attraction and this movie blew up and everybody was getting into it. But what had happened is like the people who do the work started really seeing results and they're like, wow, this shit works. And then you had like so many people that were sitting around like, meditating like when's my ferrari gonna come and the doorbell rings and they it's the ferrari i can't wait and they go out to the front door where the fuck is my ferrari <laughs> and it's just like then they're so disappointed and they're like this is bullshit there's nothing to this lava trend this is like snake oil it's a hoax and it's so funny because the way i describe the law of attraction it requires the law of action so i think that's a big part of it is like I think you do have a frequency that is brought, like we could go deep on that, but you emit a frequency. I mean, this isn't just, you know, I think people often call this woo-woo. There's science behind a lot of this. And that's what I love too, as far as mindset coaching is breaking down the science because there's people like me. I used to be really more of an analytical thinker, although I've always been open mind, but I always want an explanation that makes sense. And I think 
you know, 20 years ago, a lot of the stuff that people call woo-woo really isn't that woo anymore. There's a lot of science behind it. And in fact, maybe that's an area I'd like to discuss with your following because I don't think it gets talked about a lot. But in a nutshell, like there's a lot of people that took action and action is what creates results. And there's a lot of people who didn't and they're like, well, this isn't working. So then it created a lot of controversy around it. So people get uncomfortable talking about the law of attraction or the secret because it kind of created a stigma around it. But really on a scientific level, if you think about if you're having certain thoughts about what you want to manifest, it is creating an emotional response in your body. It's basically dropping you know, serotonin or dopamine. Dopamine is the reward seeking chemical. So if I'm thinking like, I want to create this in my life, I want to buy this house or I want to you know, increase my income. It does release some dopamine into your body, which is a real physical thing. And it gets you off your ass and going to do something. And then your mind starts wiring to think that way. Like, so for me, the law of attraction is, I feel like things just come to me so easily. But the scientific explanation is like my mind wires in a certain way that those neurons fire together. So it creates a neural net. So it's, it's just like a ski slope, right? Patterns that get carved in a ski slope. It gets easier and easier for me to think that way. So I process things in a way where it's like, okay, this is what I want. Here's what I need to do. I'm going to break that down. Who do I need to know? What actions do I need to take? And I do it so much that my mind just thinks that way. But on top of that, it drops dopamine into my body and serotonin when I you know, am manifesting, when I experience what I've achieved and my body gets used to that chemical rush. So I'm literally addicted to success. I shit you not. Like, success is wired into me because it's like, I've done it for so long, but the scientific explanation is it's the, you know, the pattern firing you to think a certain way. And then the emotions dropping into your body on top of that, like you hang out with some amazing people, you hang out with people that think on a different level. And these people are creating opportunities within their lives by you being around them. Statistically speaking from a mathematical statistical perspective, you are more likely for opportunities to smack you in the face. And the opposite is true. The people that like are addicted to drama, they're like, I swear to God, this just happened to me. The universe is out to get me. I did nothing to do. I had nothing to do with this. But really, like on a subconscious level, their body's addicted to that state. So subconsciously, their mind's like, oh, okay, this is, must be what you want. So they go, you know, seek out people that have highly volatile situations. And then they're just in the path of shit happening to them. And they think that it has nothing to do with them, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, to me, it's so scientific and quantifiable. What I love about all of that that you shared is when you highlighted when that movie, The Secret, came out, how there was that sort of divide that happened. There was the people who were taking the action and then obviously experiencing the power of manifestation. And then there were the people who were just sort of sitting there taking no action, just expecting it to come. And so what that really uh like resonated with me is I have this belief of, you know, when you are wanting to work with the law of attraction, it requires 50% from you and then 50% from, you know, the universe or whatever it is that you believe in, you know, that's going to help you bringing this into fruition. So that 50% from you needs to be aligned action, aligned action that is connecting you directly with, like you've been talking about that frequency, that energy frequency that you want to be really sitting in that frequency where your manifestations are coming into fruition. And then the other half is obviously putting your trust and really surrendering whatever the outcome is going to be to just trust that, you know, the right thing for you is going to come 
for you based off the actions that you've been taking. So what I'm curious to know is because a lot of people really struggle with getting out of their like logical mind and surrendering to that trust. How do you sort of create your balance? You know, that 50% action you need to take and then that 50% that is left up to, you know, the higher powers or whatever it is that you want to believe in to help bring it all into fruition for you. Well, you're talking about frequency and that energy. And when I got on, you can feel my energy, right? I mean, sales is a transfer of energy too, but energy, it affects so many things. Like there's an emotional frequency chart and any of your followers can just go onto Google and type in emotional frequency chart. And it will show like, like your actual emotions have a certain frequency. So enlightenment is about the highest frequency that you can have, then joy, then passion, happiness, gratitude. And then it goes all the way down to the very low frequency. And it's interesting because the law of attraction doesn't work for some people because they may think they're high frequency, but they're low frequency. They're just almost like, you know, like I want my Ferrari to come, but I don't really believe it's going to happen. And I'm not taking the energy or taking the actions that I need to. That's actually a very low frequency emotion, although they're deceiving. They think it's high frequency. So when you are high frequency, it just reverberates with other people like this. You and I can have a conversation and just be so high frequency and people get excited by that. And you just sense that, you know, there's just this like transfer of enthusiasm, transfer of energy, transfer of engagement that can shift to other people. And again, that kind of goes back to like what we were talking about in sales. Like I'm actually like, if I broadcast this, if I come up and show up to your podcast and I want to serve your following on the highest level and I can be passionate and talk to them like this, there's someone on the other end that's hearing that. It's just like, wow. You know what I mean? So that's how you influence people in marketing, in sales and content creation, but also just in interacting. Like you are literally creating your own future. You are attracting those people who that resonates with. And the people who are like the poor me, like this is going over their heads. They're going to listen to me and they're just going to be like, you know what? That guy's full of shit. You know, like I can tell you 10 times where that didn't happen with me. So it's because we're on a different frequency. Their frequency is probably they're emitting and they're attracting like other people with like a very low vibrational frequency. So like, you know, and you hear that a lot with people that are jealous, right? Like people who do a lot of judging, they see somebody that has something that they really want but they're like, you know, that person it got lucky. That person didn't have to work for it. And right there, you're actually repelling because the two energies are like, it's just like a magnet when you turn around and it repels. And it's just amazing because I would say like for your audience, be really aware of what you're broadcasting mm-hmm. and just tr- trust that. Like look up the emotional frequency chart and ask yourself, it goes back to what we first started talking about when I was going into sales and marketing is Are you not only in a creative, abundant, powerful, beautiful state, but how far into that are you? How do you get Mm -hmm. further? How do you just emit this frequency of just like positive energy? Because other people will hear it. And it's so funny because like I used to be a little bit skeptical about the law of attraction while always being open to it. I can tell you right now, 1000% believer of this. I'm as woo as they get. I don't really care. There's people out there that, you know, if I post about this on LinkedIn, there'll be a bunch of people that are just like, you know, half of them are like, yeah, I totally believe in that. And then half of them are like, yeah, it's bullshit. It's woo woo. And I just look at that. I'm like, I hear you, but I'm so sorry you feel like that. I'm not going to try to convince you, but if you're just even the smallest bit open, let's talk about it. And the funniest thing is I always make fun of that part on the secret 
where, you know, they're like, I want checks in the mail. And then it shows people getting checks in the mail. And I used to make fun of that until I started getting fucking checks in the mail. Like I literally got three checks in the mail for over a thousand dollars that were from some like loan I did. And I didn't even expect anything. I got ripped off. You know, I got loan sharked and I got ripped off. It was my fault for being a dumbass, but someone sued them and they got a bunch of money and they sent me money from that like three times over. And I'm just like, this is so crazy. So now I'm just, for me, it's like, how much can I trust this stuff? Mm -hmm. And giving money to other people is such an abundance facilitator because you just trust that you're an eternal source of abundance. And when you lean into that at the level that I am, it's almost like, what the fuck can I get away with now? I'm just going to like, I total trust in the universe. And then like, you're not afraid of failure either. You're just like, well, the universe has always had my back. So I'm going to end up where I need to be. Sometimes it might not always be comfortable, but I'm going to trust it. I'm going to trust that I learned a lesson. So yeah, raise your frequency and trust. That's that's that. how new people get aligned. I love that. So before we wrap up this episode, then can you quickly give us a few different like practices, whether they're daily or weekly practices that you do to really raise your emotional frequency? Because clearly you have such a high energy and I'm sure there's so many people who want to learn how you get your energy this high. I would say everything starts with gratitude and gratitude is the doorway to happiness. But on a scientific level, gratitude teaches your reticular activating system, which is the part of your brain that filters out what's important to you with what is not important to you. So if you want a Tesla, you buy a Tesla, all of a sudden you start seeing a ton of them on the road. It's not that there was more Teslas. It's just that that's important to you and your reticular activating system knows that. So it makes you notice them a lot more. Now, when you do gratitude, like I'm so thankful for this. Or like, I noticed this amazing thing about this person I just talked to. Okay. It's training your reticular activating system to look out for that more. So there's bad things in the world. There's good things in the world. But with gratitude, you start noticing it more. You start noticing the good stuff a little bit more. And that creates that, like when you have gratitude, okay, the neuroscience behind that is it puts serotonin into your body. Serotonin is what they call the here and now chemical. It makes you grateful for what's right in front of you. And that's a double-edged sword with the dopamine where people start chasing too much because then they get on this treadmill where it's never enough. So I think gratitude really stimulates serotonin. And just like, you know, I was talking about with dopamine, your body starts getting used to it and craving it more. So think about that. Like people talk about, you know, gratitude journal. I got to write down three things that I'm grateful for. And then they do it without putting the emotion behind it. No, you need to really be grateful. Like start savoring life. You know, when you have a really good meal in front of you and you just take that bite and you sm- and you taste the texture in your mouth and you swallow it and you're so grateful that you have that. That's what I mean by savoring. Now do that with everything. You walk past the flower, stop for a sec, smell that flower, enjoy it. Just start savoring things and being grateful And what that does is it causes you to feel it. The feeling that you have in your body of gratitude. Like if you just write down what you're grateful for, that you're not really grateful. You're checking a box. But if you really savor stuff, you start to feel it in your body. And there's an associated chemical behind that that you can literally become addicted to just like someone can be addicted to a drug, right? When people do drugs, you know, the drug's not what's getting them high. It's stimulating a drug that's already produced in their body, whether that's dopamine or serotonin 
or cannabinoids, those are already produced by your body. The external drug just stimulates that. But why do you need a drug? Like you can do that through gratitude and stop comparing. Use perspective, right? Perspective and comparison in the dictionary are almost identical. But perspective is like, wow, I'm so grateful that I have this because it could be a lot worse than that. Comparison's like, oh, I'm so bummed out because that person has more than me. That influencer on Instagram that's taking a picture of a red Lamborghini, I don't have that yet. <laughs> they're comparing and they're feeling sadness, right? Where you could be like, there's kids that don't have a meal today and I'm so grateful to have this one meal. So I think gratitude is just something that really starts a cascade of so many other associated emotions that really creates the life and energy that everybody deserves. What I've enjoyed most about this episode is listening to how you describe things and how much detail you use when talking about things. You know, I mean, we've spoken a lot about having an emotional experience and that's what you've created on this episode and all of these examples that you've given. And that says to me that you really practice what you're preaching and you really are living through this lens of such like abundance and, you know, really taking on that beautiful perspective through everything that you're doing. So that's what I've loved most about this episode. And I'm actually sad that we have to wrap this conversation up. But in case there's any of my listeners who have just been absolutely, you know, loving listening to you as much as I've loved talking to you, where can they find you after this episode? Thanks for asking. I want you to go on to Spotify or Apple, iTunes, whatever you listen to podcasts and find the Mindset Hackers podcast. I get into this stuff. I teach people the hacks, the science behind it, why these things work out. And I'm going to have a lot of good, I'm just booty. I'm just barely starting it. I haven't even done an official launch, but please subscribe to that podcast so I can deliver this stuff. If you enjoyed what we talked about, let's keep that going. The other thing you can do is if you're interested in learning more about business or LinkedIn, just go to my website, simonwparsons.com. And that will have ways to connect with me. I'm going to be taking a bunch of coaches and turning them into absolute badasses where they can serve people on a high level using LinkedIn, teaching them all the mindset hacks behind this stuff and helping them help other people. But those are the two ways to find me. Mindset Hackers, it's even on YouTube, any podcast app, and then simonwparsons.com. And thank you for letting me share that. No worries. And what I'll do is I'll pop all of those links in the episode description as well. So then it's super easy for people to find you. They can just click on, they can connect with you on all of your platforms and just continue to learn from you because I absolutely love every single conversation that we have, whether it's within the coaching programs we're a part of, or just, you know, on a one-to-one level, I always take so much away from speaking to you. So thank you so much for your time today, Simon. It has been an absolute blast. You bet. Thank you. I had so much fun too. So that's a wrap on today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast or know somebody who needs to hear this, then send this to them and share it to your stories, tagging me at empower.with.m.podcast. If you want more from the podcast, make sure you jump on over to the Empower community on Facebook. I have popped the link in the show notes of this episode, so I can't wait for you to join me there. But that's all for me for now, fam. It's time I love you and leave you. So until we hang again, remember you can break through any limiting mindset, any limiting belief, and you can rise above any challenge and step up and truly be 